Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, before we get to this week's episode, Pam, we have some guests with us today. We do. And we're super excited. Uh, you heard last week when we talked uh, before the episode of last week about the cause drink that Palace Coffee has chosen for us to be a part of for this quarter. So for the next three months, uh, Palace Coffee is donating a dollar from every cause drink. And uh, the Blue Bonnet is the drink you need to order this month. This month, and it'll change next month, and then it'll change in uh, June as well. But we are really fortunate to have the owners, founders, creators, and uh, basically in charge of Palace with us today. Real quick, so we have Patrick and Crystal Burns. Thank you guys for joining us. Well, we feel fortunate for being here, so thanks for inviting us to, to hang out and chat with you guys. Awesome, awesome. So let's just talk about this. Tell us why cause drinks what's what's the premise behind that so from day one uh whenever we opened up palace all the way back in 2011 um, i always wanted to make sure that we had at least a product that gave back to the community i had a chance to work for a company uh project seven and and they actually were a social entrepreneurship company uh sold a product but some of the proceeds went back to seven different causes and so tyler merrick was a good friend and i learned a lot from him just in business and I wanted to make sure that whenever we actually created our own business, we had that to offer to our local community. Yeah. And so the best way that we could do it was just by having a drink a month uh, that we then raise money for, and we'd find a local nonprofit that we would just donate that money to. Um, but over the past 11 years, that program has changed, and that's in large part to the lovely lady sitting to my left. Oh, that's me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's me. Um, yeah. So what we were realizing is that um, a month is not a lot of time to tell someone's story. And while a lot of the nonprofits in our area needed the financial support, they also needed just to be able to tell the story. Right. Um, and we have a great platform. We have a captive audience that um, supports us. And so uh, we went to a quarterly system where we have a cause per quarter. So we give them three months, um, three different drinks, you know, that people can right. come in and try. So if you don't like the April one, which you will, I promise. (laughs) I've not met anyone who hasn't liked the April one. So if you don't like it, I want to email me or something. I want to know. Most people love it. Uh, So we switch those drinks out every month so that there's different opportunities for drinks, but we get to tell that, that organization's story with our platform that we have built and through the brand of palace. So how do you decide who the cause is? That's a great question. So we take applications. In fact, I'll have people emailing me all year long, Um, And we will take those applications and hold them. And then towards the end of each year, we'll go through those. Our team will kind of look through. Uh, We have certain criteria that you do have to meet in order to be considered. Um, And then we'll narrow that down to usually eight to 10 causes. And then we'll have those causes actually come in and present to us uh, kind of what they're going to do with that money, what their plans are, what they're needing the most. um, If there's a certain quarter that they, you know, are interested in based on things that they have going on. And we'll have them present that to our management team because we want our team active in selecting those because they're the ones that are on the front lines, kind of helping tell the story, kind of suggesting the cause drink to people like, hey, it's for a really great cause. You have to know about this organization. So um, we kind of uh, have our team very much involved in how we choose those. Pam, and I'm telling you, the cool thing is, I know I've said this countless times, I'm a black coffee guy. Yes, Just you plain are. old black coffee. <laughs> and the blue bonnet, which is what you need to order, or as I said last week, 
Go to one of the palace locations and say, give me the cause drink. They'll know what it is. Mm -hmm. The blue bonnet. It's fantastic. We all have to try it. It really is. It really is. And I tell you, the cool thing about it too is, is just as you said, so it'll change next month. And I'm telling you guys who are listening, stay tuned for next month's. It is amazing. And just a fun fact that maybe you didn't even know, if somebody doesn't like coffee or they don't want to try that drink, they can just ask to donate a dollar to the cause or $5 or $10. We have a button in our register system that our baristas can help do that. So even if you still want to support the cause, you can still come into Palace, get whatever. If you want tea or hot chocolate, you don't like coffee, that's totally fine. We have lots of other options. Yeah, Donate to the cause that way. And you also can go to our website at palacecoffee.co and anything that you order there, there's a way that you round up. Uh, and so that money also goes to our causes of that quarter as well, or you can donate extra. Yeah, you know, opportunities. we always say we have the best of the best, right? We do. We do. Our, our instructors are fantastic. Uh, of course, Pam is wonderful, but oh, our instructors you. are the best, <laughs> um, and we hitch our wagons to the best. And it, there's no doubt we're the right folks because these guys also may, maybe you don't know this, but these guys also are the ones that locally roast our whole beans that we have, our slick tire and knobby tire coffee. Uh, so we've partnered with Palace for quite some time. Yeah. They've been very generous to us. You guys need to get out and support them. So there's four locations. And here's how I describe those four locations. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong. So there's the OG Palace, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. The OG and um, that's in Canyon, on the and square. that's on the square. Right. It's right over there in this on the square. You cannot miss it. So the original palace location is there. Then the other one that is downtown on Polk Street, and then there's the the third one, which is uh, over there by TJ Maxx. Pam, I know you you know where that is. Yes, um, I do. <laughs> 34th and Coulter, and so then the other one that they have is their newest one, which is really cool and big. has an amazing patio. Uh, it's right there off of I forty in Georgia. Uh, get over there, order the cause drink uh, this month, order it next month, and then order it in June. And every doll, every uh, cause drink that's sold gets one dollar back to local cancer survivors. That's right. Yeah, we want to thank y'all for um, picking us as the cause. Yeah, we're happy to be partnering with you guys. Yes, absolutely, it means so much. I know our listeners are going. This is great. I really appreciate you guys. So, on behalf of all our listeners, on behalf of the Survivors Center, thank you guys for what you do and for uh, giving back to the community, not just us, but just the community in general. And making great coffee. Yeah, we're glad to do it in every way possible. So Awesome. Thank you, guys. Now, let's get to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Here we are for another one, Ryan. Yes, Pam. And I, you know, uh, I, this is a, I say this all the time. I, I'm really looking forward to today's podcast. You know, maybe some people don't like to look forward to the topic that we're going to discuss today, but you know, there's some things in life that are out of our hands and there are some things that we can control. And so maybe um, this is something that we can, tr can control and learn more about. I'm excited about today's guest. Yeah. You know, and so one thing I might say to our listeners real fast is um, if you did not listen to last week's episode. I suggest maybe that you go listen to last week's episode uh, with Dr. Randy Stewart talking about uh, the differences between palliative care and hospice care. It's not, a, it's not a prerequisite to listen to today's episode by any stretch, but it will give you a little bit of um, 
uh, leaning in and it'll give you just a, a lead in to this week's episode where we're going to dive a little bit deeper, Pam, in that. And you're right. It's a, it's a difficult decision and, and topic and questions, um, but you're, you said it perfectly. It does put some control back in each of our hands which um, some people might think I'm a, a controlled person, maybe. And so uh, I, I totally can relate to, to taking back a little bit of control. But yeah, let me introduce our guest today. And um, it, this is so cool because uh, the uniqueness and how this program came about, and we're going to dive into all that. I don't want to spoil it. But today we have uh, Joanne Eason, and Joanne is, is the president of Five Wishes, and she's going to tell us about Five Wishes. Uh, she's got over 25 years of marketing experience that's centered primarily in health and insurance industries, and she provides counsel on how best to implement the Five Wishes framework. Joanne, thank you for joining us today and in enlightening us and educating us about Five Wishes. Ryan and Pam, thank you so much for inviting us to talk about Five Wishes. And Pam, you are so right. So many people get concerned about having this conversation, um, either from a magical kind of thought process that if I talk about it, something bad's going to happen. But, but um, you know, the work that I've been doing in this industry for nearly a decade has really brought to focus that talking about what your plans are in case you can't speak for yourself because of a health emergency really is more about living than it is about dying. It's how you want to live um, when it's near the end. Um, and that is really um, something it's very important for your family and loved ones to also um, be free from and be able to live with um, a serious illness. That's right. right. We all are um, going to die at some point in time and being prepared is um, maybe a gift for our ones that we leave behind. Um, can you talk about how Five Wishes came about? I sure can. So um, Five Wishes, um, for those who aren't familiar with um, the title, is an advanced care planning program. So really what that means is it's a living will and your durable power of attorney for healthcare. So um, it's what we've been known for is our document. It's a 12 page um, when completed legal document across the country. Um, it's one of, it's pretty much the only one that is a national advanced directive. Um, the program actually started about 25 years ago when our founder, Jim Tui, um, who is the legal counsel for mother, was the legal counsel for mother Teresa for the last 12 years of her life. During um, the eighties, he met Mother Teresa on a trip to Calcutta and that um, changed his life. He came back, quit his job working um, as a Senate aide um, in DC and started working um, as a volunteer in her homes for the dying. Mm -hmm. And if you remember back in the 80s, that was a big AIDS epidemic and there wasn't a lot known. So some of these people that were in these homes were um, left alone by their families and kind of forgotten. And um, Jim's experience in that really was formative in how Five Wishes was developed. And uh, specifically Wishes three through five, which are really about the comfort and the personal relationships, the spirituality, and what matters most at the end of life to people. Um, specifically Wish five was very important um, during that time because it really talked about wanting to be forgiven and um, forgiving. And that's really kind of important when you think about at the end of life, um, it's yes, your medical care is important, but it's really that spiritual, emotional 
connection piece that everyone really wants to make sure is buttoned up. So yeah. Five Bushes really is that legal um, converse, it becomes a legal document, but really what it is, is a conversation. It's a workbook to have a conversation about what's important to you. Um, it could be when you're 20 or it could be when you're 120. Um, it really is important that every adult have this conversation. You're exactly right, Joanne. Uh, the, the unique thing, and that's that's exactly the way I thought of it when when um, I started looking through this and getting ready for today's podcast is it, it's a workbook. It really is. And um, it's an ever evolving potentially workbook, as you said. Um, but let's start really and, and dial it back a little bit for some of our listeners who may go, what exactly is an advanced directive and what is you know, you say this is a durable power of attorney and a national advanced directive. Let's let's explain those really in, in the in the simplistic terms or even I can understand. Great, great point, Ryan. So um, an advanced directive is a, um, a legal and a medical form that provides what kind of health care. It, well, it takes that health care agent who you want to speak for yourself. If, in case you can't speak for yourself. So a serious illness, um, you're incapacitated. So that is the health, the DPOA, the Durable Power of Attorney for Healthcare. So um, that's the legal component of an advanced directive. Then you have the living will component, which kind of goes through what kind of medical treatment do you want in certain scenarios? Be you close to death, be you in a coma, um, or any other serious item. This isn't um, and so that way, it really kind of details for your medical and uh, your medical team, as well as your family, what kind of treatment you want. It kind of is a guidestone. It's not set in stone saying that if I'm in a coma, you know, yes, I want all uh, medical treatment or I don't want any medical treatment. But it's a guide to have that conversation that um, with your family and with your medical providers that if I'm in a scenario like this, this is kind of what I want to have. Right. So um, then so that's an advanced directive in, incorporates two actual components, that living will and your durable power of attorney for healthcare. Um, then when it's signed and witnessed or notarized, depending on what state you're in, each state has its own specific statutory requirements. Um, in Texas, um, it just needs witnesses and a signature. And then it becomes a legal document. And then it gets put into your, emergent, uh, your electronic medical record um, with your physician. And I know whenever I know when patients go to the cancer centers and they uh, one of the questions is, do you have an advanced directive? And sometimes maybe those patients don't know. So maybe this is a great resource for them to get that document filled out and then give it back to their care time, care well, team. And, and, and this is one of those things, too, that um, in all honesty, every adult needs one of these. It, you know, this we're not. This is not one of those things that because we work with cancer survivors that we're saying, "Oh, you guys need to have this." I mean, I need to have this. Right. Pam, you need to have one of these. Right. <laughs> I mean, we do. It's one of those things that you just and, and we talked about this last week. You just never know. You'd never know when something happens, and if you've not communicated or had discussions like we're fixing to go through here on the five wishes, um, the, your, your loved ones aren't going to know what your wishes are. Right. And, yeah. you know, it's important. I, I really appreciate that, Ryan, because it is for everybody. When my um, sons, I've got twin sons, when they went to college, 
you know, they're all like, yes, I'm, I'm an adult now. I need to make my own decisions. Well, this is the, one of the first decisions you can say to them, all right, if something happens, who's going to have your uh, medical voice? Mm -hmm. And obviously most college kids, when they go away, they're going to say, oh, my parents or my guardian are going to be able to do that. But you need to have that in writing because when you go away to college, that's not necessarily what the school is going to um, use. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's dive right in. If we can Joanne. let's talk, we've been talking about five wishes, this and five wishes that, and let's get down to what the five wishes are. So you want to walk us through that and maybe let's start simply at number one. Sure. Number one is who do I want to have um, speak for me if I can't speak for myself? So like I mentioned earlier, that is your durable power of attorney for healthcare. This is the person that you believe is going to carry out your wishes if you can't voice them for yourself. So um, on wish one, there's you know the primary person who do you, who do you want, and then there's um, alternates. So think of it as like Miss America, and then first and second runner up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, it's it's really and let's talk. I think really talk about who do you pick? How do you pick that person? Yeah, because well, I mean I'm, that's a hard decision. Or it could be hard decision. And and maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe that's, you know, I don't know. I, that's, a, that's a difficult discussion you got to have, right, Joanne? Right. So when, you know, exactly. So um, I've had this discussion with my spouse and talking about, you know, I'm, I don't necessarily know that you're going to be the best person to be my voice because I want you at my bedside. And there's a lot of advocacy that sometimes would have to go on it would take that person away from the bedside um, or would take them emotionally away and be more draining on them. So it really is an individualized um, conversation that you need to have with your healthcare agent to determine one, you know, do they have the capacity emotionally, physically to be able to handle that role? Because sometimes it can be very trying. And two, um, are they going to be the best advocate for you? Um, you know, I look at my sister-in-law, she's a nurse in a cardiac cath lab. She'd be great because I know that she knows how to work the system, not work the system, but work in the system, mm -hmm. what kind of um, language to use and how to work through everything. Um, and then that would free up my other loved ones to be at the bedside. So this is really a, a difficult conversation, um, as well as um, a, adult, you know, older adult parents who have children, they might say, well, I want all three of my children to have the same input. And so they put three people on there, which um, sounds great from a family dynamic standpoint, but from a medical standpoint, it can be, um, it can take valuable time away from reaching those decisions that need to happen. It's not saying that families can't have family meetings and have this conversation and determine who's going to speak to that role or uh, come from an informed decision-making to speak from that role. But it's um, it, it's really just important to appoint one person and then have alternates in case that person's unavailable, um, be it that they're not answering their phone, so then they go to a second person. I'm thinking um, I'm a family of nine and if there was all nine of us on my mother's, uh, it would be a train wreck. <laughs> Yeah, well, nothing would get nothing would get decided, would it? Everybody would have their own opinions. Yeah. How do you sit down and have that conversation with 
that person you have chosen? Well, I, I think it's important to, it's not just one conversation. This mm -hmm. is a lifetime of conversations, really, because as you look at, you know, perhaps a disease trajectory and how it changes, mm -hmm. um, what you feel as the patient or the principal that's signing the document, you're going to have um, a different approach based on where you're at in your healthcare. So it really starts with, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, if something happens or something goes wrong, that I really would like you to be the person that communicates my wishes. And this is what I feel. And then that really kind of opens up the conversation. And then you can figure out, does that person, do they want to be your healthcare agent? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will say, thank you, but I don't think I'm equipped to do that. Or of course I would do this. So let's talk, let's sit down and have a deeper conversation about it. Right. Yeah. The other thing that's very unique, and I mentioned this earlier as about um, an ever-evolving document, and this is what's, I mean, I found extremely helpful when looking through the Five Wishes um, pages, is it says, if I change my mind about having a healthcare agent, or who it is, or what it's, you know, you can make the changes on to this document, but then of course, you've got to make sure that document that you've made changes to replaces the original document that you've done. But it does, if something were to happen, if the person that you had as your number one person passes away unexpectedly, then naturally you need to uh, move someone into that role or move, you know, fill out a different form or, you know, to have them uh, not on there anymore. But the other thing too is, is this is for our listeners, just so you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what all that means. This document is so simplistic and it has all of these things listed, like on wish number one, it has about 10 or 12 things underneath it. And it says, cross off anything you don't want your agent to do. Um, for instance, I'll, I'll get one of these, move me to another state to get the care I need or to carry out my wishes. And if you don't want that, simply exit out. And um, it, it's, it, Pam, I found that it's one of those things that makes that difficult conversation it kind of leads you down the path of, of how making it simplistic. I also found that, you know, it's the things that we may not think about. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Um, you know, it, it, it talks about on here, um, make the decision to request or take away medical treatments and things like that. I mean, I may not have thought about that. And yet this gives that person that opportunity. And Joanne, I, I would imagine this document came um, with a lot of work and a lot of pouring into to come up with all of these specific little pieces and parts. Right, right. So like I had mentioned, Jim Tui, our founder, um, is an attorney. So he's got wow. the legal basis yeah. on how to develop a document like this, but he didn't do it in a vacuum. This was a community effort in that um, looking at physicians and palliative care doctors um, and um, palliative care nurse practitioners and geriatric um, experts, as well as the American Bar Association. Oh. So all of these groups have come together and have said, yes, this, this is the document that, and the wording that meets statutory requirements, as well as gives the document a heart and soul that really helps individuals have this conversation around a, a dinner table. You know, people can get an advanced directive via their state each state has advanced directive forms, living wills and medical durable power of attorney. Um, they're written 
at a much higher level and is maybe not as understandable. Um, Five Wishes is written at a seventh grade level. So it's very approachable and we have it available in 30 languages. So people, if English is not a um, native language, then we have bilingual editions. So that way um, the clinician who might speak English, but um, the patient who speaks Urdu, um, they both are aligned and understand what the values are that the patient wants. Pam, I now I now understand why I get this because it's on a seventh grade level. So. Yes. <laughs> so now that we've picked our person to make our medical decisions, what is wish two? Wish two is what kind of medical treatment do you want or don't you want? So that, that second part is just as important as the first part. So this is your opportunity to say, if I'm seriously ill and I can't speak for you myself, it takes you through... Um, figuring out what does life-sustaining treatment mean to you? Is it um, a feeding tube? Is it a ventilator? Is it dialysis? What is it to you? Um, or what isn't it to you? So then um, it kind of allows you to go in and say, well, this is what I think it is. Um, and then you're given a few scenarios. And like I'd mentioned earlier, these scenarios are just guidelines. What's important is the conversation that goes around these scenarios. That if I'm close to death, do I want to be? Do I want to have um, medical treatment, or do I want medical treatment removed? Or there's a third option that says, "Give me medical treatment if my physician or medical providers think it's it will help, and if it doesn't help, then please remove it." So that way, there's a yes, a no, and a I'm not quite sure, but let's see how it goes type of option in there. So this really allows the patient to have a conversation that's informed and then allows the caregivers, um, the family and the providers, a, a roadmap. I couldn't agree. You know, it, it's, it is, it's a yes, no, and maybe, <laughs> you know, and it, and, and, and it does. It, it, and I, I feel that this wish right here almost takes that, and I don't want to use the word burden, but takes that decision-making off of the family. Um, you know, especially if you, if, if, if it is, I want to have life support treatment if my doctor believes it could help, but if my doctor, uh, but I want my doctor to stop giving me life support treatment if it is not helping my health conditions or symptoms. And that is, it, it takes that guess and that, I guess that's what I want, you know, that's what they would have wanted. You don't, it's, it is what they want right here plain and simple in black and white. And then the other thing that's unique too is there's lines at the bottom of the page for notes. So I guess if you want to leave, you know, some other instructions, um, there's the ability to do that. But I think this wish is the one of, I think probably the best and most important discussions to have. Um, because you may think, you know, Pam, I, I think I know what, what, what Kimberly wants, but how does she want that? And the same thing with you, right? I mean, it's it's a discussion to deeply have and not enter lightly. It's a hard decision to make. You know, the first two wishes are great, but the next um, wish three, four, and five, you know, talks about the things that Dr. Stewart talked about. It's yeah. the personal, the spiritual, the emotional. And I think that's just as important as the first two there wishes. Is, there is no doubt that these are as important. And you're right. He talked about those and, and, and the, the things that you can have put in place before that time happens. So yeah, Joanne, let's, let's jump into wish three. 
Right. So which one and which two, those are really the, the legal medical components of the, the document, which is three, four, and five, like Pam mentions, really talk about personal, spiritual, and emotional wishes. These are things that provide the dignity at the end of life that um, really make the patient feel like they're connected with humanity still. And um, though this is not a legal or medical component within the advanced directive, this is like what we call our secret sauce of five wishes. Mm -hmm. And that um, the doctors, this is like your framework of how good care, what good care means to you. So wish three really is, talks about comfort. And it talks about, you know, I don't want to be in pain. Um, and this is the type of pain medication regimen that I want to be put on. So there was a, a couple that we had worked with in um, completing their advanced directive. And they got to wish three and the wife's like, all right, I'm, you know, I just want all the pain medication you can give me. I don't want to be in pain. I just want, you know, to feel nothing um, in regard to pain. And the husband's like, really? I would, you know, I want to be able to talk to our family still. So give me pain medication that will take the edge off, but still allow me to communicate with my family. And she looks at him and she's like, really? If things haven't been said yet, they're not going to be said. Um, and it was interesting because their dynamic is like, well, I was coming from my point of view, so I would have given you everything and you wouldn't be able to communicate. And he would have been like, I, you know, unless you told me to give you more, then I wouldn't. So those, you know, you, you think about comfort and pain medication and that um, these should be easy conversations, but if you don't have them, you don't know what your loved one wants. That's right. You think, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. there might be some surprises, you guys that are listening there. You might be come up with some surprises. Yeah. And so it talks about how, how comfortable they want to be. And again, it gives you about 12 or so things and it says cross out anything you don't agree with. So it's not like you have to go out of the air, you have to pick things that would make you comfortable. I mean, of course you can list things, but this is a walkthrough thing on that. And then wish for, wish for is, is another one of those comfort type wishes, right, Joanne? It is, but it, it really gets to the humanity aspect of this is how I want to be treated. Um, and specifically, it's a, a new thing that we added a couple of years ago is that last bullet that says, I wish to be called by my name and my name, is, or please call me, um, you know, either it would, from my standpoint, it would be Mrs. Easton or Joanne or something. But, you know, sometimes um, people get so busy in their positions that um, they end up using um, another term just so that way they speak to somebody with like a sweetie or a honey type of thing but really connecting with a person by using their name is really important so that's one of the areas but then also having pictures of you know their loved ones do they want to be surrounded by pictures or um, do they want to have prayers said with them do they want clergy invited into the home and or the, the hospital so those are all things that really um, talk about the treatment that's outside of the medical treatment I, I did find the the name one interesting. I wanted to be called and I was trying really hard to come up with a, a funny, unique name to, to say, well, I want to be called, you know, uh, El Presidente or something like that. <laughs> Just because, you know, but but I totally get it. And I can see like my parents you know, wanting, wanting to be called by their grandparents name, you know, or or maybe something like that, that, that they are. Um, but it's important too 
um, the spiritual component there. You know, do you want prayers? Do you want uh, uh, clergy and things like that? Um, and again, those are all those things that, again, Pam, you may think you know, but until you have that discussion, maybe they don't. This makes it very simple to um, communicate with others and especially your healthcare team. You know, I know there's a lot of different beliefs out there. So um, they know, okay, you don't want a priest. Maybe you need a, um, a different type of spiritual aspect. So, and what about wish five? So wish five kind of gets into more of the, the nitty gritty end of life type of stuff. Um, Again, it, it starts with that forgiveness piece and asking for and um, providing forgiveness, which is really um, an important component near the end of life to people. And if I could just kind of segue that some of this stuff, you know, might not be um, appropriate to kind of complete if you're a young, healthy person, that this is just stuff to kind of think about. But, um, you know, as a disease trajectory changes, this becomes more important um, later um, on. But, you know, it also talks about, you know, what that you want your family to move on or that you want them to get counseling if they find that um, this is troubling for them. Um, and kind of what, what do you want? Uh, do you want to be buried or cremated? And here's where my funeral plans are at if you have um, additional funeral plans completed. Um, and then it, this really, um, I think one of the most important things uh, about Wish 5 is really a legacy building aspect of it. And it talks about how you want to be remembered. So, yeah. you know, when people think about me, I want them to remember me as, you know, such and such, a good friend, a good listener, um, a loving mother, um, that kind of thing. Um, and then it really goes into what you want your healthcare providers to know that matters most. Um, and I think this is really important, specifically now um, going through COVID and the burnout rate for our healthcare providers is to let them know that we're thinking about them too, and that we want them to understand what's important to us so we can um, understand, you know, kind of what they're going through as well. Yes. I see this here, you know, on, on here as um, wish five although it's for the person, it's really a, it's about the person, but it's for the, the family that's left. Right. And, you know, I think that's, it encompasses the whole thing, the whole thing from one to five and, you know, um, about the memorial service and where you want. And, and it's a, it's a really a, 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 a putting a bow on um, kind of your wishes and being the last wish as well. Um, gosh, I, I think that uh, um, this is one of those things I would I almost want to ask the question, but I, there's there's no right answer. But um, I would bet on average it takes quite some time to go through this with a loved one and and sit down. And as you said, multi conversations, not one one dinner table conversation, but multi conversations. And then, of course, you go to the next page, which requires you to have some witnesses. So it's not just whoever you're having your discussions with, then you have to have some witnesses, right? And I know, in, as you said, in the state of Texas, um, which is where we're located, but we know that there are people listening who are not from the state of Texas, but in Texas, you just have to have witnesses. Um, and then in other states, which makes it super simple on your website to pull up 
and look at what state you're in and it gives you the exact requirements of what you have to have done, whether it's a notarization or another piece of paper or whatever the case may be. But let's talk about witnesses. Certainly. So um, in the majority of states, all you need on your five wishes is your signature and then having someone indicate from a witness standpoint that they acknowledge that um, the person is known to me so, um, and that um, they acknowledge that um, they've seen um, them sign the document. So um, in 46 out of the 50 states, including Washington, the uh, territory of Washington, DC, um, the, um, a witness is all that is needed. Um, there's four states that require notarization. Um, and I believe those are both the Carolinas, West Virginia and Missouri. So um, those have to have notaries, either notarization um, instead of witnesses or everybody. The witnesses have to be notarized as well. So once, go ahead. I was gonna say, but um, like Brian said, that um, both that information's on our website, but it's also on page 10. It's pretty spelled out and what needs to happen um, on the, um, for this to become legally valid. So once we have the witness and we have this document complete, where do we need to put it? Great point. So um, once it's completed, um, we recommend that people make a lot of copies of it and then give it to their healthcare agent, uh, give it to their medical providers, keep a copy to take with you um, if you go to the hospital. Definitely do not put it in your safe deposit box. This is a document that though it's a legal document, it needs to be easily accessed. So, you know, there's um, some campaigns that are out there um, in communities saying, put everything in your freezer. So that way that EMT comes, they know to look in your freezer um, or put it on your refrigerator. You know, with stainless steel refrigerators, a lot of them aren't magnetized anymore. So it's not as easy to do that, but um, just make it available and make sure your loved ones know where it's at. So that way, um, if it's needed, it's easily accessed and can be reviewed at a hospital. Very simple. Very simple. Mm -hmm. Pam, uh, I think this is a great resource. Like I said, I think we all need to go to the five wishes. Joanne, tell us what, how we go about doing that. We go to your website. Certainly. So our website is five wishes spelled out.org. So F I B E wishes.org. And um, if you're an individual or, a, you know, looking to provide five wishes as part of your family, there's this tab on there. It says, you know, for, for me and my family. Um, if you're an organization, um, there's additional resources and products available to help health systems and employers offer this as a benefit, as well as training for clinicians on how to have these conversations. Um, we also have planning guides for um, adolescents and pediatrics who are suffering with serious illness. Um, so there's just a, a boatload of resources there, as well as conversation guides on how to have this conversa conversation. So um, you're able to go there and select the, um, what resources that would be most beneficial for you. The, and the, there's also digital options too. So if oh, you're yes, more tech savvy, digital. we can do a, a five wishes on a digital platform. Yeah, and if you if you have questions about this, you know, if you're listening, you're going, ah, I think this is, but I don't understand. I want to see 
there is a, which is what I've done. There's a sample five wishes to, that you can pull up, you can look at, you can read through, you can get a better understanding of what goes into each of the wish wishes and then make that decision. Yeah, this is what I need to do. Then you're, then you can go forth and, and, and purchase the, the way you want to go about doing that. Definitely. And um, so if you just do an internet search for five wishes sample, I just did that myself, it pulls up our sample. So you can go and take a peek at that. Um, and like you said, Ryan, if this is something that you think would be valuable, we definitely would love to welcome you. And if you have questions, not only you as an individual and your family, but if you're a clinician and have questions about legality or how to complete it or the rest of the program, we have the toll free number that you can um, contact us and we're more than happy to help folks walk through um, questions on, I, I don't quite understand what wish one is or whatever it is. Um, so that's um, 888-5-WISHES. They make it pretty simple. Yeah. You know, Pam, for, for this being as, as difficult as a conversation and topic and, and, and so forth, which, you know, as we said in the last episode, we committed when we started this process of doing a podcast, we're going to find uh, experts to address uh, the topics that are the most difficult and the questions uh, that are most challenging. But for this to be one that is a very difficult topic and question, I cannot think of an easier way to make this happen. No. And I'm I'm glad that you have joined us. We appreciate all your information. And um, that leads us to our last segment. It is Pete's Powerful Moment. We would like to hear your Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by uh, Pete's Car Smart Kia. Do you have a powerful moment that you could share with us? I have one that's not specifically my powerful moment, but it is um, one that resonates with me on the value of having these conversations. Um, the author of Driving Miss Norma, I don't know if you read that, but Tim um, Bauerschmidt um, was the son of Miss Norma, who was um, a very wonderful woman who decided that when she had a cancer diagnosis, she was 93, that she said, I'm going to go and travel the country with my family. And what um, they, it's a great book and um, talks about her travels and how her life ended um, with cancer the way she wanted it to. But um, Tim had mentioned that he completed five wishes with um, his mother and his wife. But what he found was that wish five was the most compelling part because it really made him think about who he has wronged in his life. So it become, became a legacy document for him. And he went out and reached people um, that he had lost contact with that wanted to make sure that he um, let them know that he was thinking about them and that they were forgiven and he hoped that they would forgive him. And he said that he it changed his life. So I think that to me, that advanced care planning really is about, you know, what's important to you from a medical standpoint, but it's really important also about how you approach life. Yes. Miss Norma led a great life at the end and um, I saw all her Facebook posts or her sons, and what a way to um, live before dying. Pam, I, this is one of those uh, episodes that you, you leave with homework, right? We usually leave our, our listeners with homework, Joanne, um, but I think it's obviously apparent what this week's homework is, right, Pam? 
That's right. I think everybody should go out to Five Wishes and look over that document and talk to your families, have those hard discussions um, because it's ultimately your life and your death. So I'm not, I mean, what a better way to be prepared. Yes. And I, you know, and maybe you're out there listening and you say, but I already have one. Maybe it's time to pull that thing out and, and review it. And maybe it's just the advanced directive, you know, like you said, Joanne, that, that, that's available through the state. And, and those are nowhere near as lengthy and, and as in-depth and, and intentional as Five Wishes is. And so maybe it's one of those things that you say a yes and, and either, uh, uh, you know, look at Five Wishes uh, or figure out a way to, to um, dive a little deeper in there. But yeah, definitely a homework this week is to think about having those difficult discussions, whether you use five wishes or whether you use something else or whatever you do, we're just providing you with a great resource option uh, that we found is very simplistic and easy and um, gets the job done, right, Pam? That's right. Yeah. You know, we want to thank you guys and, and thank you, Joanne, for joining us and sharing about five wishes. We want to thank our listeners um, this is one of those ones too. We always say, be sure and share our podcast, but this one, especially I think is very important because again, it's not most of our podcasts, right? Pam are, are geared towards the cancer survivor geared towards the caregiver. This is a podcast, although we are, you know, working with cancer survivors, as I said, in the very beginning, this is one that can be shared with all your family, all your friends, all of your, so we expect this to be one of our highest listened podcasts, right, Pam? That's right. It's anybody from 18 to. That's right. To whatever, to whatever, you know, no pressure on our listeners, all kidding aside, please share this podcast because again, this is very important information for your loved ones uh, and yourself. It's very important. Pam, I, I, even though this is a difficult topic, I really enjoyed today's episode. I've learned a lot. I need to go have some hard conversations. Yes, I do. I do too. I do too. And I think a lot of our listeners hopefully are nodding their head as well. They need to have the, the difficult discussions and those hard, hard, hard topics, but it's made simple. It can be made simple. And so, uh, yeah, definitely that's y'all's homework for this week. Pass the podcast on, check out five wishes, pull out your advanced directives, whatever it may be. And uh, be sure to join us next week for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.